But when the Old Testament was translated into English, a lot of the times in translations like this, much of the meaning of the names was lost because of English words that are used instead of the Hebrew words. In English, we have a couple of words that we use for God, which is one is God, right? Another one is Lord. And to be honest, in either of those names, whichever name you want to talk about, they really don't tell us a whole lot about God. So we're in this series kind of unpacking these ancient Hebrew names to to gain more awareness of who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. And as I shared a couple of weeks ago, you may ask, well, why does God have so many names? Well, if you think about it, um, all of us do. I mean, you know, just for me, for instance, I, I've got several names. Mr. Coffee, Bart, Pastor Bart, Dad, Pops, Papa, Honey. I mean, I could just go on down the list, right? And different people use different names with me, and it shows the level of how much you know me by the name that you use. Now, if one of you comes to me in this room and says, hey, Honey, that's a little bit awkward because there's only one person on earth that calls me that name, um, and that's my wife. But, you know, you see what I'm saying. There's different levels of, of intimacy and relationship based on these names. It's the same way with God. God's names reveal a lot about him. Um, and so I want you to get this down. By learning the names of God, we get to know him more. It's right on the top of your outline. Hopefully you use the outline today because there is loads of scripture. Today is a teaching day more than a preaching day. And I want you to really follow along and use that outline. By learning the names of God, we get to know him more. And now here's the kicker. The more we get to know God, the more we can trust him. And that's not anything new, right? I mean, that's the way that we operate in relationships. The more I get to know you, the more I can trust you. If I don't know you, I don't trust you, right? Um, for instance, the plumber that we used on our leak, yes, it was a slab leak. Yes, we had to jackhammer into our concrete floor. Yes, it's been a mess all weekend long. And hopefully tomorrow, the guy coming to relay the carpet, because we had to pull all the carpet up in that room, will be done. All right? But the plumber that I wanted to use, I trusted him. Why? Because I knew him. And when he said to me on last Friday, a week ago Friday, he said, I can't come until Monday, I'm like, I don't care. I'm waiting on you. You know why? Because I can't trust every plumber out of the yellow pages, right? I know Jason. I can trust Jason. And so I, I waited on him. And then, so that's the kind of the way it works with God. If we get to know God more, we are learning to trust him more. We begin to see who he is, and what he wants to do in our lives. The psalmist David writes this. Look what he says in Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know your name, or we could say know your names, trust you. It's true, because we're getting to know you, God, so now we trust you. For instance, in the beginning, and this is one that we talked about at part one of our series. If you, if you missed this, you can back up on our podcast and catch it. Um, God revealed himself as Elohim in the beginning. Take a look. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Our English word God is translated from the Hebrew word Elohim. And what's interesting, and you're going to see how this ties in today's study, Elohim comes from a root word, which is E-L, L, which means mighty or strong. So God wants us to realize that he is a powerful creator, 
powerful enough to create something out of nothing. And so what's interesting now is the root of Elohim, El, is a part of the name that God reveals in our passage, in our text, in our story today. He reveals this name um, in a promise that he is making to a guy named Abram. And this happened years earlier from our text, and we're going to kind of get some context and move our way into where God reveals this name. So hopefully you'll follow along, whether on the screens or on your outline, and uh, we'll, we'll hit this together. Take a look at it with me. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. uh, And you will be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Abram was how old? 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, his nephew, and all his wealth and headed for the land of Canaan. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your who? descendants, and Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord. So there's two things I wanted you to catch there, and hopefully you did, because I emphasize it. How old was Abram? 75. Great. Don't forget that. Okay. Did you catch what God promised him? It wasn't the land as much as descendants. Yeah. He's saying, you're going to have kids, you're going to have grandkids. Up to this point, they didn't. Take a look at verse 1 of chapter 15. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? You have given me no descendants of my own. You need to know that some years had passed. Now he is 85 years old. So 10 years had passed. And Abram is saying, You said I would have descendants, but nothing has happened. You ever been there before with God? God, you said, but nothing has happened. That's what he's saying to him. It says, um, the Lord said to him, you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram, what happened here? Abram believed The Lord. That's important. So years passed. Abram and his wife had no children. And his faith in what God had promised was beginning to fade. Maybe you can identify with him. I mean, come on. we got to admit, God moves way too slow. And God takes way too long. How many of you would agree with that with me? I feel that way. Greg, Greg, thank you for being honest. Everybody else is lying when they're sitting here not raising their hand. We all feel that way, right? We pray about something and God doesn't move. And it's like, did, did you get my prayer? You know, did you check your voicemail? You know, right? Did you get the text? It, it says red, you know, but did you, did you read it? You know? And so what do we do? We pray again. Nothing happened. God, did, did, did you get it? You know, we pray again, did you get it? Right? He takes way too long. In our estimation, he, he takes way too long to fulfill his promise, to meet our needs in our marriage and with our kids and in our career and some other area. And we get tired of waiting. Anybody get tired of waiting on God? Do you ever, you ever come to a point where you give up praying about something? 
I have. I bet you have too. We just, we just kind of give up. And so here he is, 85 years old, after years of trying to have a baby. And get this, on his wife's suggestion, Abram took matters into his own hands, and in an act of impatience, Abram produced an illegitimate son named Ishmael. But these actions didn't bring fulfillment to the promise that God had made. And in fact, the thing that we need to realize is what God promises only God can give. It's true. So years fly by, and now without having a wife, I'm sorry, a child rather, with his wife, um, it, it's seeming impossible. And yet it's at this impossible juncture, at this impossible moment, precisely at this point, that God reveals himself. And this is our passage. Take a look. Genesis 17.1. When Abram was 99 years old. How old was he when this process started? 75. So 24 years later, 24 years of waiting, at age 99, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. El Shaddai is an interesting name. It's often translated God Almighty, and in the New Living Translation, it's basically giving us the translation. El Shaddai is, is God Almighty in English. And what it does is it refers to a God who is all-powerful and all-sufficient. In fact, we already know that the name El means mighty or strong. In fact, it really means able to do anything at any time. Scholars believe that El carries the idea of a God who is powerful enough to set aside the laws of nature, to, to, um, to change the ordinary course of nature to make things happen. We see this in the connection with the promise. I mean, God is saying, you're going to have a child. And Abram is how old? 99 years old, right? And he's saying, you're going to have a child with your wife. You're going to have a child. But El Shaddai is a compound name. So what does Shaddai mean? We already know that El means mighty and strong and powerful. What does Shaddai mean? Shaddai occurs uh, 48 times in the Old Testament, and it always carries the same meaning. It's always signified by the word almighty, and it's derived from a Hebrew root word that is the word shad, which means breast. So it gives us the idea of a nursing mother who abundantly supplies what her child needs to live. So it points to a God who abundantly supplies, an abundant provision of God, that he's more than enough for us. The idea is expressed in what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Take a look, Isaiah 60. God says, you will be given what you need like a child drinking from its mother, then you will know that it is I, the Lord, who saves you. So I want you to get this down. This name, El Shaddai, shows us a God who is more than able to abundantly supply. Get that down in your outline. El Shaddai is the God who is, who is more than able to abundantly supply. More than able to abundantly supply. So God speaks this name with his promise to Abraham. Take a look at verse 1 again. When Abram was 99 years old, 
The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell, uh, fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means, father of many nations. So God changes his name to fit the promise. And then God continues, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants from generation to generation. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants. And I will give the God regarding your wife, her and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Regarding your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. My covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. Wow. What a promise to receive at 99 years old, right? That, that you're going to be blessed beyond what you could ever imagine. There's a book that I'm reading right now that uh, is an interesting author, John Thompson. And he says this, we worship a God who relishes doing impossible things with improbable people to the amazement of the watching world. Catch that again. I'm going to read it to you again. It's so powerful. We worship a God who relishes doing impossible things with improbable people to the amazement of of the watching world. Wow. So a year later, Abraham's son is born. And Isaac grows up hearing, I'm sure, hearing about this God who abundantly supplies, who is more than able to abundantly supply. He grows up hearing about El Shaddai. And we know this. We know that he grew up Hearing this, you know why? Because he begins to speak it to his own son years later. Take a look. Isaac now is grown up. He's a man. He's got his own kid. Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, you must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May God Almighty, there it is right there. You can circle those two words. That's the name El Shaddai, may God Almighty bless you and give you many children, and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham, your grandfather. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram to stay with his uncle Laban. Again, we fast forward years later. Jacob, it says in Scripture, Genesis 35, returned from Padan Aram, and God appeared to him at Bethel. God blessed him and said, your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From, from now on, your name will be Israel. If you ever want to know where that name came from, there it is, Israel. So God renamed him Israel. 
Then God said, I am, here it is, El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And I will give you the land I once gave to your grandfather Abraham and your father Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. And Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Don't, don't miss this. I know we've covered a lot of scripture, but don't miss this. <laughs> this is huge. El Shaddai, the God who is more than able to abundantly supply, becomes known by three generations. In fact, you could even, I don't, won't take the time to do it, but you can even, in Genesis 49, you can even tie it into where Jacob then shares it with his son Joseph. So you could go into four generations. All because one man believed God. Abraham, remember? We, we read that. All because one man, Abraham, trusted God. We have three, probably four and more generations that were affected. What a heritage that is. Abraham left family, friends, and secure home to go on this long journey without knowing where he would end up. Basically, God said, pack up your stuff, you're going to go, and I'll tell you when you get there. And Abraham went. Abraham received these incredible promises from God, including the promise of a son when he was so well advanced in years, when it was impossible. And it said that Abraham believed God. And then Abraham waited until he reached an age when it was no longer possible to have children. And God reveals himself as the God who is more than able to abundantly supply. Think about this. This is the man to whom God revealed himself as El Shaddai. Friends, maybe you've waited a long time Maybe, maybe you've made mistakes along the way, Abraham did, but you're still here, and God has made a promise, and this is where it gets personal. See, I need to realize, you need to realize that God wants to be more than enough to me and to you. He wants to be more than enough. El Shaddai speaks of a God who is more than enough. He's more than able to abundantly supply. See, I'm convinced this is what Jesus was speaking of. In one of my favorite passages in the New Testament and some of Jesus' words, this is one of my favorite. I quote this a lot. Jesus says, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. You know what that says to me? more than able to abundantly supply. I think Jesus was speaking of an El Shaddai God. That's why Jesus came to earth, to show us the more than enough God. That's why Jesus came to earth. God wants to be more than enough to you, to me. But it's our choice. See, that's the thing that I catch in this passage about Abraham. It's our choice. God reveals, but he reveals in the times when we have a choice. 
And you and I have a choice today. God is trying to reveal himself as El Shaddai, the God who is more than able to abundantly supply. He's trying to reveal himself to you today, to me today. But we have a choice. It's my choice. God will powerfully and abundantly supply when I trust him, when I believe. Paul tells us this. The Apostle Paul writes, Abraham was almost a hundred years old, much, much past the age for having children. And Sarah could not have children. Abraham thought about all this, but his faith in God did not become weak. He never doubted that God would keep his promise. And he never stopped believing. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Fully convinced. That God is able. And so the question that you and I need to ask ourselves is do I believe that God is able? Do I believe that God is able? In those areas, in your marriage, in your finances, in your health, in your job, at school, with your friends, in your future, do you believe that God is able to abundantly supply? Do you believe that God is able to come through? Do you believe like Abraham believed? Even when you're looking at impossibility, do you believe? There was a guy who was fishing at a lake. And he would catch fish. He'd pull it out. He'd look at it. If it was a large fish, he'd throw it back in the lake. If it was a small fish, he'd keep it. And there was a hiker that was walking by and he saw this fisherman doing this, and so he asked him, what in the world are you doing? Why are you throwing the big ones back and keeping the small ones? And the fisherman replied, I only have a 10-inch frying pan. And we chuckle at that. But some of us are living our lives like that. We are limiting God in our lives to a 10-inch frying pan. When all along, God wants to be more than able to abundantly supply. We're only believing in God so much so far. How big is your God? We serve a God who is more than able to, to powerfully and abundantly supply. He's, he's a more than enough God. Paul tells us this. Romans 4, he says, there was no hope that he would have children, but Abraham believed God. Do you believe that God is able? In your health, in your family, in your finances, in your job, in your marriage, in your future, in your situation, in your life, do you believe that God is able? Friends, God knows you. God loves you. God is more than enough. He is El Shaddai, the God who is more than able to abundantly supply in any area of your life. Would you bow your heads with me?
just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed today. Maybe you're at a point where it doesn't feel like things are going to happen. Maybe you're at a point where you have been praying and asking and nothing has changed. Maybe you're at a point when it seems only impossible. And God is coming into this picture today, into your life today, into your mind today, and trying to push into your heart today. And he's wanting to tell you that he is El Shaddai. God who is more than able to abundantly supply. And today you need to be reminded of that so that you can believe and trust. I'm not saying that you're going to leave this room today and everything is going to change because it may not. It, it may not happen this week. It may not happen this year. It may not happen for years. can believe in God and believe that he knows what he's doing and that he cares about us and loves us and is working on our behalf. We can trust him. So, today, with no one looking around, you say, Bart, I want to open up my heart El Shaddai I want to believe even if I don't see it even if I don't feel it I want to believe that he is a God who can be trusted I want to put my faith and my belief in him and not in the things that I see not in the circumstances or people around me I need help I need the Holy Spirit to help me trust him I want to pray for you. If that's you today, would you just slip up my hands? That's me. I need God. Wow. 